<laughs> All right, so uh, I got some announcements for you this morning to share. Um, first of all, we will be uh, partaking in uh, communion today, um, and all are welcome uh, to celebrate that together. And afterwards, uh, after the service here, we'll be having a fellowship meal um, provided by Adana Maria, so please stay with us, fellowship, eat, it will be wonderful. Um, our regular announcements here on Wednesdays, uh, first of all, the touch point time has changed, so that's at 9 a.m. now topic is Jesus is our healer. And of course, we have at 6 p.m., we have uh, the kids' church, we have the youth group meeting, um, and an adult Bible class at 6.30. So please come for those things. They're all wonderful. Um, on Thursdays at 7.30, we have the Zoom Bible study with Pastor Dean, uh, Judging Prophecy. You can email him if you want to know more about that. Uh, in upcoming events, we have the True Bridge uh, Northern Hub Men's Conference uh, the uh, topic or the title is Strength. Uh, that will be at the War Road Community Church. Uh, up in War Road, of course, that's on uh, April 1st and 2nd, which I think is this next Saturday and Sunday, right? Um, what's that? Friday. Friday, Saturday. Sorry. Got my dates wrong. Friday, Saturday this week. Um, you can register there. Go online. Or it'll be on the Facebook page, too, it says here. Um, we'll be having an Easter Sunday breakfast on April 17th. That'll be served from 9 a.m. to 9.30, and a Resurrection Day service that day at 10 a.m. Um, and if you want to help, or we're asking for men to come and help, please contact Dane Johnson if you can help with that meal. Um, and of course, there'll be some information on the screen there about hearing any archived Sunday morning messages where you can go online and find those, and of course, giving online. Um, for the tithes and offerings if you're not with us today. And speaking of tithes and offerings, I have a reading from, for us from Robert Morris's The Blessed Life. Um, we may recall we were reading this a few years ago, quite a few years ago now. Uh, it says here that we, we read this last on uh, November 29th, 2015. So we're revisiting something here. Maybe we'll remember it. Maybe we won't. Um, but it's good to kind of Remember some of these things. Repeat some of these good principles of giving and God's blessing. So here's what Robert Morris has to say today. God did something remarkable to get my attention where the matter of giving was concerned. I was scheduled to preach at a church for only one night, and as it turned out, it was the only meeting I was scheduled to preach all month. From a financial standpoint, that meant having only one opportunity to receive an offering instead of the usual four, five, or perhaps six. Although Debbie and I had grown in our ability to trust and rest in God, this represented a major budgeting challenge in the making. At the close of the service, the church received a love offering on my behalf, and shortly thereafter, the pastor approached me with an envelope. He said, Robert, I'm pleased and amazed to tell you that this is the largest love offering this little church has ever given. God used you to bless us tonight, and I'm so happy to be able to bless you in return. And so when I opened the envelope, I found a check for roughly the same amount as our entire monthly budget. Um... In one meeting, of course, God had miraculously provided what it normally took several meetings to produce. It was quite a lesson for us, but that lesson wasn't quite over yet. As I stood there holding that check, basking in the warm glow of gratitude and wonder, 
Something happened to me that forever changed the course and the quality of my life. Earlier in that evening's service, a missionary had given a brief testimony and update for that congregation. Now, as I looked across the nearly empty sanctuary, I caught sight of this same man, and as I did, the unmistakable voice of the Lord spoke in my heart and says, I want you to give him your offering. I want you to give not just part of it, but all of it. And I couldn't shake this off. I couldn't rationalize it. I tried bargaining. I tried begging. But that impression only grew stronger in my heart. And in an instant, I went from euphoria to something approximating panic. Lord, uh, that can't be your voice. I mean, after all, I, you just did a miracle. You met my, all my needs. But again, that instruction came through gently but clearly. I want you to give all your offering. And like a kid who doesn't want to hear what his little brother is saying, I want to stick my, ears in my, my fingers in my ear and go, la, 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 I can't hear you. Give him the whole offering. Trust me. I couldn't shake this off. And so ultimately, I waved the white flag and I said, all right, Father, I trust you. And I endorsed the back of the check, folded it in half, took it to, with a quick, quick glance around the room to make sure no one was watching. I walked up to that missionary and I said something like, I really appreciated your testimony tonight. Please don't tell anyone about this, but I would like you to have this offering. The check is made out to me, but I have signed it over to you. So I handed him the check and I walked away. An hour later, I found myself seated with about 20 members of our church at a pizza place. Across from me, we sat, sat a well-dressed man that I barely knew. We had met briefly on some other occasion. And after a while, he leaned across the table towards me. He looked at me straight in the eye, and he asked me a shockingly personal question. He said, how much was that offering tonight? Now, naturally, this question was a flustering one. I had never been asked anything like this before, especially from a stranger. And his boldness was so, so caught me off guard that I didn't know what else to do but answer him. So I told him the amount of the offering, and I remember hoping that that was just the end of it. But it wasn't. In the same authoritative manner, he asked me another question. Well, where's the check? <laughs> what nerve, I, I thought I said to myself. What's this guy up to? And of course, I no longer had the check, but I wasn't able to tell him that, so I am not proud to tell you that this preacher um, lied through his teeth. <laughs> um, my wife has it, I said nervously. Um, and she was sitting at the other end of this long table, a nice safe distance away, of course. Uh, now can we please change the subject, I thought. Uh, <clears throat> well, go get it. I want to see it, this man said. <laughs> this guy's relentless. Hoofta. <laughs> Not knowing what else to do, I made a pretense of getting up to ask her for the check. Bending down close to her ear, I asked, how's your pizza? And she says, good, uh, giving me a very perplexed, perplexed look. Great, glad to hear it. Just checking up on you, honey. Uh, and I head back to my table, head back to the seat. Uh, my ears heard another lie floating past my lips, of course. Oh, she left it out in the car, I said to this man, trying to make it sound as if the car was very, very far away, very impractical, go and get it at this point. Um, at this point, I'm trying to hide the fact that I had given my whole love offering away, of course, covering the fact that this evangelist who had just spent the evening proclaiming that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life had also just lied. Um, as tiny beads of perspiration began to pop out in my face, the gentleman leaned across the table, got very uncomfortably close, by the way, and he said, that check's not in the car, Robert. And he stated in a low voice so no one else could hear. How do you know that? I responded, trying to sound a little bit offended, of course. Because God told me, and he told me something else. At this point, the man spoke words that have rolled like thunder in my life ever since. 
He said, God is about to teach you about giving so that you can teach the body of Christ something. And with that, he slid forth uh, a folded piece of paper across the table. It was another check. The amount to the penny was ten times the amount of the one that I had given away only an hour or so earlier. That is the might, uh, that is the night that my journey started. All right. So why don't we pray over offerings today? We have offering boxes in the back. We can just think about that story going forward. Jesus, we thank you that you uh, are unexpected. <laughs> you are not just, uh, as C.S. Lewis put, put it, a tame lion, a tame God, a tame Jesus. You don't perform the way that we always maybe desire, but not certainly the way we expect. You don't go conform to our boxes, but instead you ask that we step into your goodness, step into your vision of what the world could be like, what we could be like if we said, what if I was like Jesus today? What if I gave like Jesus gave? What if I thought the way Jesus thought about the things in my life, the people in my life? So we thank you, Jesus, for the new opportunity to see the world a little better and a little different, a little more like you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Wow. It's amazing the check that our Father in heaven wrote and slid across the table to each one of us. And when we open it, it says paid in full. And it's not a mortgage or a car payment. It's an eternal debt. He paid it in full through his son. What a price he gave us. Herb, if you have that first verse from Revelation, chapter 19. Verse 11 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven lined, excuse me, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I remember reading that verse not long after I came to know Jesus back in 1982. going to be 40 years ago this September that I gave my life to Christ. 40 years. Dan, how did that happen? Man, 40 years have gone by. Pastor Steve started pastoring here the same year I got saved. 
But 40 years, how quickly it went by. I remember reading that, and I was so thrilled by all the different titles. King of kings, Lord of lords. He had a name written on his thigh. He had a crown of thorns, fire from his eyes. I sat down, and I started writing a song, and I wrote a chorus. And I loved it. This chorus, man, it made me dance around and jump around and feel good. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried to write verses to it, and it just never came. And I would imagine it was at least 20 years later that I was standing, not even thinking about this song. I was at the church where we were pastoring in Clover. And on, it was during the middle of the week, and I was up on the platform, and I was singing and just having a good time. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came these words to me. Well, I heard a voice like a thunder coming from glory For the marriage supper of the Lamb was about to unfold For His bride has made herself ready And together they will come back as the prophecy was told And he's coming on a white horse this time With the name written on his side King of kings and Lord of lords With the fire in his eye And on his head there will be many crowns And the beast he will be cast down And there won't be any doubt He is the king Listen now well, the first time that he came, he bore our grief, our sin and shame. As they beat him and they nailed him to that old tree. But as the prophecies unfold, as in the book of Revelation, they were told, with his bride close behind, you'll be coming for all to see. Well, he's coming on a white horse this time with a name. Written on his side, King of kings and Lord of lords With a fire in his eye And on his head there will be many crowns in the beast He will be cast down and there won't be any doubt He is the king Well, the sky will open when the marriage supper is ended And the forces of heaven and hell gonna clash that day oh but this time around jesus will not be thrown down for the beast and the false prophet will forever be cast away and he's coming on the white horse this time with the name written on his thigh king of kings and lord of lords with a fire in his eye there will be many crowns in the beast He will be cast down and there won't be any doubt He is the King Oh, I said He's coming on a white horse this time With the name written on His thigh King of kings and Lord of lords With a fire in His eye And on His head there will be many crowns in the beast he will be cast down and there won't be any doubt. He 
doubt. Think about that. He's coming on a white horse. My wife had it right all along. She used to have a white horse. She rode. Mine was black. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. But he's coming on a white horse. And guess what? His bride is going to be right behind. Amen? Now some of you might need duct tape to hold you on the saddle. I don't know. But I doubt it. I think by that time, we're all going to be skilled riders. Amen? And this time when Jesus comes back, it will not be shame, death, pain, suffering. Amen? It's going to be triumph. It's going to be victory. It's going to be to set up and rule forever and ever and ever. Amen? Boy, that's exciting to me. That when he comes... He is going to establish his kingdom forever. And we won't have to worry about the pains and the sufferings and the heartache of this world anymore. We used to go out as we traveled. I don't know why this came to me so strong yesterday, but it did. And I'm going to take just a minute to find a piece of paper I want to read for you, okay? So hang on one second. Well, Kent is looking for that. It's just on my heart to put forth this word that we watch and pray and that we live in a place of readiness. For that day is going to come, just like Kent said, that it'll happen. <laughs> you know, we don't know when that day is, when he will come. We call it the rapture of the church. When Jesus comes to bring us to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but it's going to happen. And we in this day are to be ready. We're to, we're to occupy until he comes, just like the message Dan Woodward had a few weeks ago. But on the other hand, the strong word, but also that we pray that the blinders would come off of people's eyes, that they would have the reality, the knowing. You know, for anyone that dies, that day is today. I mean, if someone dies today, today is their day. We don't know when. It could well be within the year, within this year, that Jesus returns for us to bring us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We don't know that for sure. But I, I remember the Lord just brought to my mind the time when I was half asleep and half awake in our house here on Gull Lake. And all of a sudden, the rapture was happening. And I was sitting there by Joyce. 
or not sitting, laying there by her. And uh, my first reaction was to grab her hand so that we'd go together. <laughs> you know that we. You didn't think she was going to make it, or what? <laughs> well, <clears throat> well, I don't know. But or you were worried that, about you, maybe? I'm... But that—that's what happened. I mean, but, but it was just like that. I mean, it's the twinkling of an eye. It's in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen. So I did. I grabbed her hand, and it's like we came off the bed. And I'm not saying this is how it's going to happen, but to me it was so real, and it's so real as I recount it now. We lifted off the bed, and there was a window there on that end of our, on the end of our bedroom, and we just feet first we shot out, <laughs> shot out the window, and then we went out across the lake, and then we went up, and we met all these other people that were. You know, people like you. And it happened. But the thing is, it is real what Kent and the team are sharing about this morning. Yes. We had Pastor Stephen Joyce at our home Friday night for supper, and he, brought, he said something that he said, we may never return to normal in our country, but one thing we can be assured of, Jesus will return. He's coming. Nothing has changed in God's plan. Nothing has changed in His order. We can't worry about what goes on around us. We have to keep focused on the fact that what God said is true. When my wife and I would adopt a child, this is often all we would see, one page and one picture of information. And we received this one time, and I thought, I used to, to share it at many concerts when we'd go out traveling. It says, this little girl is sweet and content. She lights up, smiles, and giggles when her foster mom talks to her. She loves attention, being held, and enjoys being talked to, and the stimulation she receives. She enjoys looking at the mobile in her crib and enjoys the sound of music. She has extensive medical needs but has made some progress. Listen to this now. She has chronic lung disease, pulmonary hypertension, ventral septal defect, hydrocephalus and per-eventricular, mom's better with these big words, leukomalacia, is that right? Nobody knows what yeah, it is anyway. Periventricular, yeah, leukomalacia. Leukomalacia. She has no mobility in her legs and limited mobility of her head and hands. She has a shunt. She is G-tube fed and is learning to suck on her bottle. She is deaf, which limits her speech. She is able to see some and will require glasses. She receives early childhood intervention and services. It says at the bottom, she requires a family with working knowledge of children with special needs and extensive knowledge of her medical needs. She will require a family that will be able to provide constant care and stimulation with a lifetime commitment. She will do well if she's placed with other children. And after I would read that, I would invite my six-year-old daughter, Victoria, to walk up on the stage, grab a microphone, 
and bring every person in that building to tears with her rendition of Jesus Loves Me. I could have been singing for an hour and everybody's like this. And she would do one song and that place was broken. We were singing in Lexington, Kentucky one night and the pastor seemed angry at us for some reason. I, I couldn't figure it out. It was just very uneasy. And there was a nice crowd. The place was full. And I, I just couldn't figure out if I had offended him or something. And I even asked the team. I said, did I do something? But I hadn't. It was, you could, you could literally almost taste it. His anger and disdain. But it wasn't toward us. When Victoria finished her song, this pastor stood up from the back row and ran to the front. We had no clue. I thought he might beat no me up. We had no clue what no, was going know. on. He was weeping because we had shared that Victoria was born and left for dead in a toilet stool. She weighed three pounds. The paramedics came. Her mother was very out of it, drug-induced situation. She didn't even realize she had given birth. I believe it was her mother that had called the paramedics. They came and took care of mom and got her into the ambulance and went to remove Victoria's corpse from that toilet stool. And her leg moved. And six years later, she stood on a stage and sang, Jesus loves me, like you've never heard before. We recorded it on our last album. Since then, she's went through some hard times when she hit that age of life when there's so many changes as a teenager. This little gentle angel became very angry. It was one of the hardest things I had to deal with as a dad because we were so close. And she became so dangerous, we had to have her move to a group home with other teenage girls with similar issues. But for so many years, we traveled and she sang that song. And I know that all of heaven stopped and smiled every time she sang it. And I remember every time I would look over at her mom. And mom would be grinning ear to ear and glowing with pride as Victoria would just change the hearts of men and women. That pastor finished coming forward. He goes, what is our excuse for not serving God with all our heart? This little girl was given zero chance and I had read this report, and yet, somehow he said, she is here worshiping God. Later that night, that pastor took us aside. He told me, he said, I watched my dad shoot my mom and kill her. And I've been angry at God ever since. But he said, tonight, I'm free. I'm free. 
from the voice of a little girl. I remember sitting down and writing this song. And it's called Heaven Is. I know heaven is going to be amazing when we get there. I can't even fathom it. But the scripture that Herb's going to put up, I believe, is Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus said to his disciples that the kingdom of heaven is where? It's at hand. Is that the right one? Kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus said, I, I'm bringing the kingdom. And if Jesus lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, well, guess what? His kingdom is here today. He's here. And so I wrote this song about what heaven is to me. And I know what it will be to me someday, but I know what it is here to me as well. Heaven is my little girl's song She sings in spite of all that's gone wrong That's heaven ooh, ooh, ooh. Heaven is her mama's smile So proud of her precious child That's heaven Heaven is that tender touch from your loving wife When things get rough, that's heaven Ooh. Heaven is your best friend that'll stand beside you Through thick and thin, that's heaven face of the one who took my place and gave me heaven Ooh. all my earthly work is done and I'm kneeling before God's dear son in heaven Invites me to come and dine in heaven. Oh, think about it. Ooh, ooh. My giving water, my daily bread before me, a banquet is spread in heaven. Oh, in heaven, heaven is a place. 
forward to heaven? I am. But I know that I have some heaven on earth when I hold my wife and she looks in my eyes and tells me she loves me. I know when I pick up my son Daniel, throw him in the air, and he says, oh, dad, I love you terrible. <laughs> I love you terrible that I'm experiencing heaven. And I know when I heard Victoria sing, I experienced heaven. It's all around us. The kingdom of God is at hand. I think the greatest experience that I had of heaven was in June of 2019. I took Rod and Doug with me. And we went to a maximum security prison in Bismarck, North Dakota. You talk about three redneck country boys who had no clue what they were about to walk into. Did you? I remember after we went through three outer gates just to get our van into the backyard of the prison. I mean, a gate opens, you go in, it shuts. They check you for bombs. They check you for everything. Then you go through a second gate. That shuts. And then they leave the big gate for last. You go through that. You close it. They checked all of our gear, all of our... I mean, I had to write out detail every cord we were bringing in. We got it all inside the door, and we went through the same process. I think there was three more doors that we went in and they closed, they went in and closed behind you, and finally the last one opened, and we walked through, and prisoners were walking around us, and Doug says, I think we're in their living room now. <laughs> and we held hands. No, we didn't hold hands. It's not like church service here. We went in a gymnasium. Bismarck, and I want to try to get my numbers right, has 700 inmates there. And this is maximum security. This is murder, rape, child abuse, auto, whatever, felonies. This is a tough place. The only maximum security prison in the state of North Dakota. We had a concert scheduled at 2 o'clock. We were going to sing an hour, and an ex-con that was with us, who's now a preacher, Brian Cole, was going to share his testimony after we sang. At 10 minutes to 2, they opened the back door, and 220, I believe it was, men, all dressed in white, same tennis shoes, same outfit, walked through the door. God spoke very quickly to me. Get to the back. 
and hug every neck. The thing that I hadn't realized prior to that is I was, as we were setting up and there was a bunch of guards in the gymnasium with us and they're milling around and I kind of thought to myself, where's the guns? They ain't got no guns. I thought, where's the pepper spray? Where's something? They ain't got any of that either. That's all behind the gymnasium door and then behind another wall with guards that were actually armed there. All of a sudden, I realized if there's a problem in the gymnasium, you know what they're going to do, I told Doug and Rod. said, they're just going to lock those back doors. (laughs) And they'll just have to, uh, you know, count their losses in here and not worry about it. And all of a sudden, I realized, all right, God, you got us in here. It's your job to get us back out. I ran to the back. Brian Cole was back there with me, and we hugged and shook hands with every man that came through that door. And the first thing I said to them was, thank you for allowing us to come. And they looked at me like, what? They said, no, thank you. I said, this is your place. We're the strangers here. Thank you for having us. 220 guys filled that gymnasium. And we began to sing, and I felt the presence of God in a way that I hadn't, because we hadn't been told this, but the group that had been here prior to us, they had heckled them off the stage. The warden warned us, if you're not real, you're going to get it, because they will spot you like a $3 bill. Fortunately, I was traveling with two guys that are very real, and I just said, God, let's just let them have it. We sang for an hour, and Brian got up and preached. And at the end, he said, I want you to come forward and receive Jesus if you haven't done that. Not one person moved. Brian was a man that had served half of his life in prison. He was now 54. Four, I think, but he had served 27 years. He had just celebrated being free as long as he had been incarcerated. And then he went, so none of you have anything you need to deal with. And he shook his head. One man stood up and came, and then another. And we prayed for 70 men that day to accept Jesus as their Savior. 70 of the Bismarck prison opened their heart to Jesus. And you know, I've heard of prison conversions and that things aren't real. So I asked Brian, I said, how real do you think these guys were? He said, listen to me. First of all, they got one mark by their name for even coming here today. And they received a second mark by their name when they walked forward. He said, oh, it's real or they won't come up here. It's very real. And then he told me that, by the way, I can't be here tomorrow when you go to Jamestown Penitentiary, so it's all yours. And I went, what? We experienced the same thing the next day. It's a prison half the size, 350 people. We had a crowd of, I don't know, 100, 150, 35 guys ran ran to the altar. I thought, 
They were going to run over us. They were so hungry for the Lord. I shared a little story with them. I looked out at the prison. The Hispanic guys were sitting here. The black guys were kind of in a group over here. The Native American guys were in the back. I said, you know what, guys? I said, this room reminds me of my supper table at night. And I saw heads pop out that I hadn't seen. I said, we have black kids. We have native kids. I said, we even have a couple white kids we adopted. Hispanic grandchildren. I said, this prison, this group right here, I said, you remind me so much of my family. And I said, I wish you could come over and, and have lunch with me. And one prisoner says, when can we come? And I said, well, I don't know about when you can come to my house, but let me tell you about an invitation. I said, there's going to be a supper in heaven. And I said, if you can picture a table as long as the eye can see, beautiful china glassware, crystal. There won't be any plastic silverware at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I said, somewhere at that table is your name. Your name is written on the placemat. And I told them, wouldn't it be tragic if that day comes and you not sitting at your place. So I said today, come forward and reserve your place at that table. 35 of those guys got up and came forward, weeping, hugging. Doug is not a real great hugger. Are you, Doug? I mean, he'll hug you, but... If you're looking for a puddle of goo when you grab him, it ain't going to happen usually. That man got hugged 5,000 times (laughs) that day. And And not only did he get hugs, but he was hugging. And I mean, he was squeezing and loving on these guys. And he was still hugging when you guys made it to, what was it? The next church. Motley? Yeah. Where you guys met me. He was so pumped up about it. But God changed our life. And we got a call last week, and they said, are you willing to come back again? So they're working on a return trip. But that table, those 30, 70 guys in Bismarck and those 35, which was exactly 10% of each prison, came to know Jesus that day. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, come on. Give the Lord a clap. Most of them didn't think that they could be loved. They've been abused and hated and mistreated and thrown away as trash and treated as trash. Trash, And we just said, it was June, like June 10th. It was gorgeous outside. 
I said, if God wasn't real, don't you really think I'd be golfing or fishing with my kids today? But I'm five hours from home in a prison telling you that Jesus loves you because he's real. He's real. We're going to celebrate communion together. We're going to come to that table in just a minute. Let's sing that last song, guys, to the table. Zach Williams, any of you know Zach's songs? Chain Breaker, some of the others that he's done. Zach has a heart for prison ministry. This song is on a video where he's in a prison. The gentleman that booked us to come to the prison asked if we could learn this song and sing it there, and we did. And today, let's just prepare our hearts for our time at the table. Because there's going to come a day when we don't have to leave the table. Isn't that great? He said, do this in remembrance of me. But that day is going to come when we're not going to have to do it in remembrance of me. We'll just celebrate with him and dine for eternity in his presence. And know that you're welcome to the table. He wants you. You haven't done too much. You haven't strayed too far. He's pursuing you and he wants you. So don't, don't count yourself out if this is uncomfortable or if it's something you've never done before or maybe you had a bad week and whatever. He wants you. He's inviting you to come to the table. Hear the voice of love that's calling. There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands Everything you're going through But you keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before for all your fears, all your sorrow and your sadness, there's a Savior and He calls. Bring it all to the table. And He can see the weight you carry. And the fears that hold your heart But through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are So bring it all 
the table There's nothing There's nothing he ain't seen before All the tears All your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and he calls Bring it all to the table And all you saints Come right in and find your grace Come right in and take your place There's no one who's turned away All you sinners and all you saints Come right in and find your grace Come out in and take your place There's no one who's turned away There's nothing he ain't seen before All your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and he calls Bring it all to the table nothing he ain't seen before for all your fear and your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table and he invites us now to come would you stand with me there should be a little communion cup in front of you, in the holder in the chair. The wafer is in the top. Chantel's doing it. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And we're coming up on that time of the Lenten season. Or Good Friday, Monday, Thursday, or whatever the day is they call it, when the night before his crucifixion, where he took the bread and he broke it and he told his disciples, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's bring everything today and just say, Lord, cleanse us, make us whole. We want to be right with you, Lord, as we take this. In Jesus' name, amen. It says after they had broken bread, after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this wine represents my blood, which was shed for you. And he said, as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we thank you for your precious shed blood this morning. 
as we come to that table of fellowship, the table of remembrance. Lord, may you bring our spirit, our heart, our mind into that upper room where you sat with those that you loved and you shared this beautiful meal with them. Now let's drink this in remembrance of him. When I closed the service at the prison, we sang this song to the prisoners. Because we wanted to make it personal to them as we left. He counts the stars one and all. Knows how much sand is on the shore Sees every sparrow that falls He made the mountains and the sea He's in control of everything All creatures great and small And He knows my name Every step that I take Every move that I make Every tear that I cry He knows my name When I'm overwhelmed by the pain Can't see the light of day I know I'll be just fine Cause He knows my name Listen to this now. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I can't tell you what's in store. I don't know a lot of things. I don't have all the answers to the questions of life. But I know in whom I have believed. And He knows my name Every step that I take Every move that I make Every tear that I cry He knows my name When I'm overwhelmed by the pain Can't see the light of day I know I'll be just fine he knows my name. Oh, he knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry. He knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain. Can't see the light of day. I know I'll be just fine. Cause He knows my name. 
is my name. And this is what we told them. And he knows your name. Amen. Give the Lord a good praise. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know our name. You know every hair on our head. You know the troubles we go through. And we know that you're there for us. Father, I thank you that the altars are open for prayer. If anybody wants to come forward for prayer today, we ask you bless the food that's been prepared. And bless our fellowship together as we fellowshiped with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless you.